I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara. This is the Know Your Why podcast, and today I'm here with Michael Porsche. I'm very excited to speak with Michael today as a short-term rental owner and investor and founder of STR Legacies. Uh, looks like you also started out as a firefighter. So I really want to hear your story from, from your words, Michael. So first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be able to share my why, share my story and what drives me. Awesome. Well, why don't we start with your story and uh, we'll definitely work our way to your why, but I, I want to hear all about what you're doing. Yeah. So um, in short, I'm, I entered into the short-term rental space, but what brought me there um, was quite a few things. And I guess <laughs> growing up in California, that was, that was more my space. I never thought I'd leave actually. So I, I no longer live in California. However, um, that's the space I always thought I would be. I, I grew up in a single parent home. Um, so family time was limited at the time just because my mother was always working. I had quite a few siblings, so things were busy there. and I'd say a lot of fun there. Um, but I grew up in Simi Valley and around that area, you'd see a lot of wildfires. So that was like the most common thing. Like you just, it would just happen like verbatim every other season. So people would always ask, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, well, I want to be a hero. I want to be a fireman. Like that's, that was always kind of my intuition of always what I wanted to do as a kid. Um, and I, I think as I just grew up, different things came to mind. I love being creative. I love figuring out new things, but ultimately I still love the idea of being able to serve people in some kind of way. Um, I serve people in different, uh, I'd say magnitudes from doing, running a, an anti-human trafficking non or not-for-profit. Um, I had the ability of taking that prior to me getting hired with fire service to bringing that in to the fire service and teaching all the first responders on how to recognize it within our city, which is pretty cool. And then, um, but ultimately when I was 25 is when I got hired with the fire department. Um, and through that, my thought process, where I thought it was a pretty cool job for a place where I could really invest my time, have a job that takes care of me, but also allows me time to do ministry to go on mission, to serve in the human trafficking advisory council, to be able to work and have a family life. Um, but it came down to it when, when I did meet my wife, met my wife um, actually the same year I became a fireman, but didn't actually have the opportunity to date her until a couple of years later. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> we was, have to convince them. It's okay. Oh yeah, it was a lot of convincing. It was more <laughs> of like, uh, me chasing after her with the club. <laughs> Um, but you know, when I got to an opportunity where, um, I've been on for a few years at that point, I was with the city of San Diego and, um, but living in San Diego, I, I just had 
no time if I was going to allow my wife the opportunity to be work. I wanted her to have the choice to be able to work because me growing up in a single parent home, man, I, I really acknowledged um, one, the aspect of my father being not around, not present. And then seeing the confidence that left my sisters and myself, um, I made a decision that I wanted to be very present with my family, my wife and my kids. Um, and I thought that firefighting would allow me to do that. But then it came to a position where it wasn't allowing me to do that. Um, I, the normal firefighter schedule is you know, working 10 days out of 30 days, which is amazing. But those are 10 days that you're gone 24 seven. Um, but typically it's not that bad if you're working that schedule. Um, where I was living in San Diego, it's a little price kind of high and being able to afford. And if, especially if you're on a single income, I ended up working not only because I had to, but because of being short staffed, ended up working around 20 days out of a month. Um, and so in some of those days, me coming home, because we ran all night, um, doing calls, doing this and that, but being in a position of me sleeping half the day and not being able to you know, engage with my family or take time for ministry. So all the things I really got loved doing one extra time for, I didn't have any time for, and that was including my family. Um, and so it got to a point where I was like, I need to do something else. And, um, an engineer, one of my colleagues, he, he gave me that, that purple buck, the, uh, good old rich dad for that. <laughs> and, um, that really opened the eyes of the possibilities. And like many people know, it, it doesn't really tell you how to do things, but it tells you what you can do. It gives you a vision. And that really started the picture of my real estate investing journey where I made tons of mistakes and jumped in wholesaling, flipping, a little bit of small or mostly wholesaling, small multifamily actually. And then, um, and then Atlanta, Atlanta, me and buying two assisted living facilities, um, which was pretty interesting. I did that for a little over a year. And then shortly, um, fall more, it put me into a place where now I'm doing short-term rentals. And that's where I've been in the last year and a half. And it's been, it's been a good time. Awesome. Awesome. There's some real estate aside, some very interesting things in there that I think, uh, we will definitely need to talk about. We don't have to go straight there, but uh, the the human trafficking interest that you had at such a young age is is kind of um, something that you certainly certainly don't hear that a lot. Um, and then I think it's funny. I've had at least one other guest that uh, is a fireman in, in in New York City and had that similar experience. He was a, a child when 9/11 happened, and so seeing that you know sort of firefighters i mean heroes all the time for sure but but in those large-scale crisis events you know you really think about uh what that what that profession means to the safety of, of many 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 people and i now live in california and i uh, we've been lucky enough to not have any wildfires like affect our house directly but you know certainly that it they're everywhere. It's just a part of life there. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how much a part of life it is and how people are like, yeah, look over the hill, like there's smoke billowing up and it's, but everybody's just sort of, if you're not directly in the line of it, sort of like just going about with their normal day. So uh, I, I can see how, you know, 
being in CME, how that would impact you that way, seeing that kind of frequently. So yeah. interesting um, background. And, and it, I don't know, you know, I don't know if any of it had to do with your move into real estate, but I, I understand that, you know, getting when you get caught up in that sort of work, work for someone else, make a wage, and you're like, well, you know, we need to afford these things. If I work more, we can afford these things and have a little, and it's just, you get in that cycle, right? That kind of thing that everybody talks about. So I, I totally, I totally get, you know, sort of looking for that other thing. Um, and so you, you did, sounds like you, you sort of touched on a few different areas of real estate, but what, what brought you to short-term rentals and, and kind of, and, and allowed that to stick? Why, why, why is that your focus? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, when we, my wife and I had the opportunity to buy our first house, um, and we moved to, moved to Idaho to buy those assisted living facilities, but we knew that we wanted to buy a house here as well. Um, and so when we did, I was very bent on being able to house hack. And so for those of you who don't know what house hacking is, when you're able to live in one part of your, one area of your house and you run out of room or another side or another unit. And so the question was to, should we put this up as a long-term rent? And like, yeah, traditional way to do it. Um, and it was a great idea. We were able, I mean, our mortgage at the time was 1800 and, you know, we could save about $800 on our rent for the long-term tenant in there. And then people were talking about Airbnb and vacation rentals and all this stuff. I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. Um, maybe we could try that out and see what it takes. So we ended up like separating uh, a little bonus room that we had and putting a wall that separated our house to that house with a little, you know, double locked door. And we um, had its own separate entrance. We put some more furniture up there, a little mini sink, um, like a bar sink with a little refrigerator and things. And we started running it out. And our first, our first month that we rented it out, we made about, or we, yeah, we made about $3,000. And we're like, whoa, this is a lot <laughs> different than long-term rent. <laughs> so we went from, you know, making or saving money on our mortgage to, to, uh, being paid to live where we do. So that's what got us started. Make, makes total sense. I mean, right. You, what, once you realize that the power of that, it's like, okay, let this, this seems to work well. And it's, it's not that it's, well, we'll actually maybe we'll get into how much work it is, but I, I, I was going to say it's not as much work as some of the other things you were trying, but, but, but maybe it is just as much work, but it's, it's a, a different, a different type, I think maybe. Uh, so you had that one, what, what kind of, how did that progress? Yeah, so I mean, it, it kept going and then, and then we went on a little vacation because we did have some success from some of our other real estate ventures and we we're in Florida. And then, you know, we asked ourselves the question, man, wouldn't it be really cool if we could just, you know, invest in, in areas where we want to go on vacation? Um, and so that led to another answer of, well, we found out not every place we go to, um, you know, makes sense for us to invest you know for example but it started that journey of us trying to find um locations that one we might want to visit but two like would give us amazing returns and went down this rabbit hole of, of really just digging deep buying data really getting nerdy about it i'd make graphs 
maps of all these different cities and what kind of returns what the Zillow home index would be. I would make graphs of, um, of like three measurements that I really focused on were rental demand because demand outperforms the brand of anything. So if there's a demand for it, there's always going to be some sort of returns, even if you have a lame product. So the demand was the number one thing I was looking for. And then it was after that, I wanted to see some kind of revenue growth. So I wanted to make sure that there was growth for the long term um, in that market. And there's reasons for people to continue to go there. Next thing I looked at was um, our cash and cash return. So that was more of, you know, am I able to, you know, buy a house for a million dollars to make 50,000 or am I able to buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars to make 50,000? So with those three metrics, I made like a, a sheet of like 50 different cities when I first got started and I'd have to constantly update them. Um, but that kind of helped me find markets and trends to be able to know where to invest in the short-term rental space that would give me certain dividends that I was looking for. Um, and it's been quite outrageous to see some of the numbers, but it's been pretty cool. So where did you go to source that data? So there's three different um, data that I use to source it. One is more commonly known, it's called AirDNA. Um, they, they source their data from Zillow, from Airbnb and Verbo. Um, so they take the numbers of what it was listed at in terms of um, how many units are available from those sources, and then they will go and uh, clock the price point at which someone would, would book it, if you will. Um, so that was one. Another source I use is MashPfizer. They commonly do the same thing, but through only Airbnb. And there's also another source called Key Data. They're a little more expensive, but they are predominantly best used in large markets because they go back end. And so rather than, because there's many platforms that advertise your, your short-term rentals on, whether it's Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, Expedia, you know, little hotels, some, you know, on the East Coast, there's a lot of European type sites that get utilized to find different sites or bookings as well. Um, but there's key data works with the local property managers in that area and they give them a deal so they can able to get capture the the actual units through their property management software and they record the actual payments that people are getting so it's more than just the airbnb or verbo but it's the direct bookings on their own websites it's the property management platforms it's booking.com it's so they get everything um, which is pretty, pretty cool. So that's probably the most accurate data that I've seen around, but, um, but that's, that's where I'd source it. Interesting. I've, I've heard of Airbnb, but I hadn't heard of the other two. So that's, that's really helpful. I think that'll uh, provide people who are interested in getting in this space, you know, another, another place to look. Um, so you made your list of 50 markets. What did you, what did you start? Where did you start? How did you where did you start and then why? Why did you decide those, you know, to start there? Yeah, I started actually in uh, a couple places. So one was Pensacola area, Florida, which wasn't really Pensacola, it was really closer to Gulf Breeze, which is where I really looked at because the price points were pretty low. There's some good, <coughs> excuse me, industries involved in that area. So, you know, one of the things I look for the stability of market is how many industries are involved. So there's military, health, big healthcare out there. Um, there was a couple tech items things that were out there. So there's more 
different types of industries that were involved in order to supply, you know, good job growth. But, um, and there was a huge, and of course, travel. I always like to have travel as my main kind of thing because I'm in the short-term rental space. Um, but that kind of met all those expectations and it, the cash and cash return. So for example, I just closed on a house about a month ago. Um, I bought it for about 160,000 in Gulf Breeze, did a little more rehab work on it. Um, and on that property was able to, you know, projections are around 53,000. Um, so that's in Gulf Breeze. Um, so that was one of the areas that we chose to dive in. And we also chose another area in Shenandoah, Virginia. We liked that national park in that area. Um, and the reason being is because there was multiple little markets all right next to Shenandoah. So it was Luray, Shenandoah, um, uh, Rileyville. All these markets were performing very similarly. And they're all different cities, all different towns, pretty small markets, maybe less than altogether 200 active rentals. Um, so it's supposed to be like the shh, kept secret, but um, <laughs> it's up now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but um, I feel like I can say it because I just recently heard someone who I follow named Rob Bilt. He's the new co-host of Bigger Pockets, and he mentioned it in his podcast about building a um, tiny home village there. And I was like, oh, you let it out. So I'm like, you know, I'm about it. Um, but it's, uh, it happens to be the demand is outrageous. Um, you know, home values just started to rise over there, but they, they've been steady for a very long time. But overall, I mean, you're um, like one of my first students, she, she bought a property for around 300,000 or so. And, you know, she's looking to generate this year, the projections showed around 80,000, but she's on track to make 90,000 this year or a little over from that one property. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to see the type of income and um, just that you can generate from these smaller, smaller properties, especially if you can work it out well. And those, those numbers you're saying are, are profit, right? That's after expenses and everything. No, no, those are all revenue. Um, typically the profit's going to be around I mean, what I shoot for is, you know, from like anything more than 40% um, is what I shoot for in terms of profit. So that one would probably be around like, you know, maybe 45,000 or so, um, give or take. Yeah. Okay. And when you're purchasing these, how, how are you uh, sourcing and finding financing? Like what kind of loans are you using for them? Are you getting investors? Like what's your, what's your process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I have um, made a lot of relationships with different debt service coverage ratio type loans. So that's D, um, DSCR. So those are loans that um, that really give you a loan based off of the asset you're buying versus based off you. Um, that's primarily what I use. Um, there's still other different types of loans I use, but we typically like to do a little bit of rehab with our, with our projects. Um, just because there's a lot of value add that we can find in certain areas of that end up being really good buys. But um, so we'll go in with like 10% down loans. Um, we'll buy in with that, the debt service coverage ratio. And then a lot of times we have different partners for, because you can run out of your own cash very quickly, um, but we'll have private investors and, um, you know, who we might utilize for part of the down payment or part of the rehab. Um, so there's 
shorter loans. Um, we just form it in a promissory note um, because we're rehabbing it. We have the ability to, you know, help pay it back through a refinance. Usually, it's less than one year, um, or just from the rehab loan that that we get as well. So it's kind of backed from that security as well. And when you're refinancing them, you're still refinancing them as a DSCR loan. Yes, typically, um, give or take, depending on the deal situation, but typically, yes. And that's um, usually, you know, more, more common ones we've been seeing is the interest only um, refinance into an interest only loan for maybe about like five or so years or something like that. I'm always fascinated by what you can get for debt at this point. I mean, it's, you know, it's just remarkable how I think people just don't people that aren't in the space don't realize what you can do with yeah. these loan products and, and really just, you know, if, you, if you're paying interest only and you only had to put 10% down and it, I mean, it's just like, you're, you're really able to increase your cash on cash quite a bit that way. So it's, it's pretty incredible. If <laughs> I, I learned uh, sort of very quickly that that's maybe the most important piece to real estate is whatever your debt, whatever your debt product is, that it, it can make a huge difference. So um, that's cool that, that you have things available. And I, my understanding is that these types of loans maybe weren't so common even a few years ago, but now that short-term rentals are, uh, I think, becoming a bigger and, and, and probably considered safer market, it, it, do you find that it might be, it's easier to obtain the loans now? I think so. Um, I mean, I wasn't as invested I am into real estate a few years back as I am now, but um, but I will say like it's most of the lenders who I talk to, with the exception of one, or maybe even him too. Actually, all of them have are been coming up with these new products. So these aren't these aren't products that they've had for years. These are products that they had last year, just started. You know, so these are it's really interesting. So it's. And I've seen a lot of this, well, they all have, I think it's because it's short-term loans are so new that they all have different metrics and things that they're utilizing as standards. So some will be basing it off of population in the area. Some will be, you know, basing it off of the distance to a larger city. Some will, will base it off of just the long-term rents because they don't feel comfortable basing it off of the short-term rentals, but they'll but with that, they don't care where you find it. But so, yeah, they all have different metrics that they use for the short-term rental ones. How are you managing them? So that was, that's another great question. Um, so we, we went into thinking, well, if I'm, I, I probably left the fire service about a year, almost a year and a half ago now. And, and I was like, well, I could spend more of my time just doing management and doing something else to make money. Um, and so we started utilizing um, just recently, last year, um, making our own management company that can help service all of our properties that we worked on. Um, so we start, we, we create our own short-term rental management company that we manage our, our own properties. And we just started um, also going out to other people and started managing other people. So we're kind of in the, works of all of that but we're kind of getting all the kinks out but we've been slowly but surely like maybe getting one new client every couple of weeks so it's been kind of a new venture as well 
I mean, it, yeah, starting that out, I think a new client every couple of weeks is great. You're, are, are you using like the, the Airbnb sites, VRBO? Are you, I know people, I'm, I'm not familiar, so I'm sort of just things I've heard, but people talk about like almost hosting it themselves rather than putting it on, on an Airbnb and, and sort of like really self-managing. What are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, as far as hosting on Airbnb or, well, I, and again, I, maybe I'm not even asking the question right, but I feel like I've heard of people that are sort of trying to go around using Airbnb, maybe to avoid some of the fees or something like that. I, I don't really know. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just misunderstanding what people are, are talking about when they're, they're saying they're self-managing and they're, you know, kind of, uh, doing that themselves, but. So that may be a misinformed question, but you're, but you're using like Airbnb pretty standardly as your platform. Yeah. Yeah. So I use a couple different platforms, but I will say in terms of the self-management side, I think Airbnb has made it very easy for people to self-manage. Um, and they, they definitely structure it that way, but they also, man, you have these companies like Airbnb and Verbo and Booking.com who spend so much money on advertising. It's, it's hard not to utilize them to get attention um, just because they have so much traffic going their way in order for you to get bookings. Um, <clears throat> but I will say um, most people will try and self-manage. And I think that's smart if you have maybe one property. Um, as soon as you start to like get in to two or three even like it gets very difficult to manage um the more properties you have and it becomes just like more of a full-time job um especially with the short-term because there's a lot of guests exchanges and things like that i will tell you what we do we like to book or manage on three different platforms airbnb verbo and booking.com and through those platforms we what we tend to do is we try to capture every guest that stays with us, all of their, their information, and at least the ones that we like. Um, <laughs> and then we will remarket to them um, at the beginning of the year and, and through, you know, special discounts or for them to leave us reviews. Well, hey, you know, 15% off if you leave a review or 15% off for the new summer if you book before, you know, uh, this date. Um, and that kind of helps and direct them back to our booking site. So we're able to, you know, capture essentially it costs a little more <laughs> but um or the same uh, it just depends on what the growth has been like but they still see the coupon for 15 percent offered you know but or or booking directly through us and it usually helps out but it's been pretty cool. good do you so what's your what's your portfolio look like now we're pretty small um you got six um as of right now and we're looking to <laughs> seems like plenty plenty of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have um we have uh, one two three three units in florida that are um one's under one unit is under construction right now it should be done um in april we actually have another new build going on so four in uh florida but the new build should be completed and also in, in April. Um, that's in Perdido Key. And then um, 
We have one here in Idaho is where I live. That was my first, so that's why I call it. I always count it as part of my unit because whenever we travel, we end up renting out both spaces here, which is pretty nice. Ends up paying for all of our travel. Um, and then we have uh, the one new build as well as a couple that we manage in Virginia. Very nice, very nice. And you're coaching as well, coaching people on this? Yeah, yeah, so funny story. I was, when I was getting really deep into the data, I was thinking to myself, you know, some of these are really big investments, but, um, and then somebody reached out and wanted me to speak at their real estate meetup group about how to invest out of state with short-term rentals. I was like, great. And he's like, well, we're in quarter lane. I'm like, well, that's far. <laughs> so it's, if not familiar, I'm on the bottom part of Idaho and they're on the top and that's about like a seven hour drive. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to fly in. Um, but I, I said to myself, I'm not going to go up there without trying to see if I can sell something. So, um, or at least give an offer of some sort where I can utilize this data, not just for myself, but for other people. And so I just did a little presentation in regards to the three things I look for, which is the rental demand, revenue growth, and uh, cash on cash return. And I talked about, you know, where to find that data and what's important about it and how to do it with little or no money down and so you can scale that way. Um, and I opened up a coaching program under, really under those um, key factors and was able to maybe, I think about 10% of the room took my offer. And I was like, all right, I can run with this for a little bit. And so I started diving a little deeper into that. Um, and now we're we're just getting out of the beta version actually um, this month, and so we've been in the beta version trying to like work out all the kinks, see the best ways of coaching, um, seeing what's really going to be able, like helping out the students to get their their first properties, um, and so it's really just been a more of a a recent venture that's grown, um, and more people have been buying and kind of out of like just randomly seeing some of my posts and like hey I'm really interested and. So they'll watch a quick webinar and like, oh wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. That I mean, that that's great. Might as well, you know, sp spread the the knowledge to other people and and it helps you as well. I mean, it's it's a win win. I love it. Um. Well, let's let's switch gears, Michael. Let's let's go to the part where I get to ask you a few questions that I ask every guest. Um, and the first one is based on the name of the podcast being know your why so yeah so what's what's your why let's let's talk about that oh man um i can show you right here i'm not is this is this a video podcast video. it goes on youtube as well all right so this is let's see if i can point this out it's kind of my why right there and i loved i love just seeing your podcast and i'm not sure if you can even read that but to pursue freedom for my tribe spiritually relationally physically financially yeah awesome so i'm really big about being able to um really those items um i mean there's a lot of why behind what i do and first and foremost man i i really really do believe in a creator and just, you know, we're not here by accident um, and that there's purpose behind that. And, and so a lot of my why comes from that. Um, 
and then moving into you know secondary and everything that I do um but my, my family um freedom to be able to do these things like, I mean most of when I grew up I've been really surviving a lot of surviving um and so I never and my mom if you will still in that like I would say survival mode um that's all she lived that's that's all she knows but because of that she never got to really experience the world the cultures the people um you know really invest more time in her faith because she was so worried about just living if you will um not being able to do things physically she has a few different ailments um that's really followed her because she lived a sedentary lifestyle um and i really do believe in the ability to provide space for me, myself, my family, um, to pursue the things that we love. And so that being, you know, God, our family, um, going on mission, being able to help others, looking at these local, you know, I'd say, well, local things in terms of like fostering and then far away things in terms of, you know, third world countries where there are just basic needs that aren't given. Um, so I'm a big believer in being able to reach out in those spaces, involve yourself in those kind of spaces in some kind of way, but also in the, every other facet of life, get to know the world around you, um, yeah. use your body fully and get after it. <laughs> I hope that kind awesome. of makes sense. No, yeah, totally. It's great. Um, I love that. But so the second question I typically ask people is, uh, tell us something about yourself that, that isn't common knowledge, some special skill, a hobby, whatever it is. However, and, and feel free to put something in there on that regard. But I also want to ask you about how, how you had, you know, sort of interest in, in human trafficking at, at such a young age where you were, like, at, had activism towards that at, at, you know. Yeah. I don't early 20s, maybe before that, I don't know. Yeah, no, I was, I was probably either 20 i think i was 20 years old when i first started doing stuff towards it but um yeah there's interesting something about myself real quick let's see i used to i spent seven years swing dancing and i taught swing dancing as a kid that was a lot of fun awesome um <laughs> that's awesome. a lighter side <laughs> um but in regards to um the human trafficking nature, I actually was, I was working at a golf club as a bus boy. And I was, I think it was like 18, 19 at the time. And um, this pastor, his name was Francis Chan, spoke at this, it was like a convention that they're having at this golf club. It was the first dinner of this event called From Forever Found. And they were talking about human trafficking. I don't think I've ever heard of it before. Um, and so, and that was, man, back in the early 2000s, I guess. But um, the, they had mentioned in regards to where it was going overseas, happening overseas and what was happening locally even. And I just, I couldn't imagine um, just, I, I just didn't understand how someone could do that. And I, I, I put my, like, my little sister at the time, because I was the only thing like, what if she got caught? And, you know, from a family member or from someone just snatching her and like, what would I do if my little sister, Chloe, 
um, all of a sudden was, you know, was missing. Like, I think I would spend the rest of my life looking for her and trying to find information and what to do and how to do it and, and just to get her back. Um, and I know even now as, as, as a father, I can even more so say I would, I would do that for my daughter, but, um, but that really just, I think that night I just, I couldn't go to sleep. I was really emotionally like just wrestling with it. Just the very concept of what people do to other people and just the injustice that comes with it. So I was like, well, what can I do? And at the time I was really into fitness. Um, I think I still am, uh, but, <laughs> but I was, I was like, well, maybe if I could, you know, reach the fitness world with this information and raise money for the fitness world and give it to, you know, charities to them and, and get plugged in that way. And so I can raise awareness and, and give funds to these people who are actually doing stuff um, on the ground. So it'd be a direct correlation. So that's, that's where I started um, going in that space and then slowly moved and kind of sell a heart for it. And I, I started a nonprofit called Renew Existence. That, that's what we focused on. And, um, and then I got part of the San, the San Diego Advisory Human Trafficking Council. Um, and that was a part of working with the Human Trafficking Task Force. I ended up educating um, all EMTs and, and paramedics within the city of, of San Diego um, when I was working for them as a firefighter. And um, that, was, that was really cool because I got to really get in touch with knowing the workings of where people tend to pimp or take people or um, force them or coerce them to, to do what they want to and being so close to the border, that was a, a huge thing, but we found all, found all the hot spots where that happens and I was able to communicate that to the stations and firefighters were closest to those areas, um, which was pretty cool because it was something that we ran on all the time, but you just never knew. And so I thought that was a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's just, I feel like you would have to have an experience like that with, with that pastor because it's, mm. it's, it's unimaginable to me to think that that even goes on. And, you know, you, you brought up your sister and your daughter. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, my head just starts like, someone took my kids. Like, what do you, yeah. I wouldn't stop. I'd never stop. They'd just be like, you don't, you know, it's so it just to, to, to know that that's happening, <laughs> like actually happening is just, it's really heartbreaking and uh, yeah. good for you for, for acting on, you know, the support of that. So uh, I just thought that was pretty incredible and I wanted to, to highlight it. So, so thank you for sharing that. Um, well, the next question is, when people hear this, I'm sure they're going to want to reach out to you. Uh, how would you, how would you like them to do that? We'll put whatever you want in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a few different ways if you want to just reach out to me and, and get to know more, more my story or just what we're all about. Michaelforce.com um, is a good one, but a lot of people maybe not know how to spell my name right, but Michaelforce.com is one. And another avenue is um, for short-term rental space, if that's something that more interests them, then it's um, strlegacies.com. Um, that's my website for um, really all that we do for coaching and for our data um, courses. And you can find that at www.strlegacies.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll put that so 
the show notes. Um, final question for you, Michael. What piece of advice would you give to someone who's getting started in real estate, and, you know, whether that's short-term rentals or just, you know, sort of in the space? To, what would you tell them for, you know, to encourage them to, to be able to you know, sort of achieve the level of success that you have? Yeah, I would, man, um, honestly, I think it just comes down to why you know, what, what, what's your why? And then really spend some time and, and dig in that. Um, because at the end of the day, that's, what's going to drive you to take action. And although if you want, like, if you want success in, in anything that you do, um, I think the why and the reason what you do, why you do it is what's going to be the, the strongest driving factor, whether it's running away towards something you, you desire or running away from, a fear you want to leave behind or a past self. Um, those are two of the most driving factors that will lead someone to take action. Um, so I think just digging deep and really acknowledging what your why is, um, whether it's spending time with more with your family, having the freedom to travel, um, you know, being able to uh, be your own boss or, you know, why do you want to be your own boss? I think just really digging deep and counting the cost of what's going to, what, what is it going to cost in order for you to, to do, or to do that, if you will. I obviously agree with you because that, <laughs> that's what the whole the whole podcast is based on. But yeah, 100%, I think that's fantastic. And I think everybody everybody trying to accomplish something great is going to run into roadblocks and, and hard times. And you need something, you need your why to help you push through so that you don't you know, sort of give up on those on those dreams. So... It's great. It's really, really uh, important to, for people to know that. So thank you, Michael. I, I really enjoyed this. I think, I think it was a lot of uh, great information for people and I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot more uh, value added through your teaching program as well. So I, I look forward to seeing, seeing your growth and keeping in touch. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to, to connecting very soon. All right. Well, thank you very much. And with that, we will sign out. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.